0: Coming up at the top of the hour, what's at stake for Mayfield against TSU? Will Georgia handle Auburn like every other team? Will there ever be a greater Timbalis player than Tito Puente? Should Wade have apologized to Cavs fans after the Bucs game? And were the Colts right to cut D'Angelo after the colostomy bag incident? But first, it's the Rish Outcast on KSPT Sports Talk Radio. All sports, all the time. OK, let's see if this works. Because everybody loves chalupas. Everybody wants them now. And if you're in the mood for chalupas, Willow wants to show you how. Okay, I'm not sure that, that worked, but oh well. Try new things, right? This is Rish Outfield. This is the Rish Outcast. And now that my world has changed, in 2017, my good friend moved to Germany. I started making money for the Rish Outcast. Big uh, moved to Texas, leaving me here, seemingly friendless. I've had some more time on my hands, and then also, as far as the Outcast goes, I don't know that I'm raising the bar as far as the content of the Rish Outcast goes, but I think about it more. Because as you know, there's the Patreon page where people can support me, where they can throw me a couple of bucks, and yeah, it's just a couple of bucks, but there's a difference between making nothing and making something. And so sometimes while I'm sitting down to record or while I'm editing, I think, is this episode good enough? Is this episode enough to charge money for? This week, I finished up a big audiobook project and so I started work on things that had just sort of been sitting around. So just this week, I finished two That Gets My Goats, one that we recorded in April, and one that we recorded in June, Um, and then I edited, I think, three Rish Outcasts, one from, like, February, one super recent, and then one where I think I recorded some of it in 2016, and then... Again, because I felt like, well... Are people going to get their money's worth from this? I recorded something new to add on to it. Just so that the people who donate, the people who support me, get a little bit more for their buck. Or, you know, buck. Uh, 72 cents after Patreon takes its cut. Like, I, I think about what other people do. The people that are successful Patreon personalities Is that fair to say? Uh, most of the people that I am aware of have video podcasts. And I think about doing a video podcast from time to time. I'm, today, I thought, oh, for this episode, video might be the way to go. But I didn't do it. I doubt this is aired because, holy cow, I have done everything that I could to not air this episode but I recorded an episode back in September of 16 I I just felt like I had to talk to somebody then I've never looked at it I've never touched it I just I feel like oh boy if there's ever going to be an episode that's too personal it's that one and so it just sits sits for a year right but finally I thought you know what it's time to, to put it out there and move on but what I'm gonna do is, I drove down to my childhood home and set up, I, I bought a laptop not long ago to replace the crap top. Uh, and then I tried to edit an episode on it and I, it, it really fought me, the editing. I'm trying to remember what it was, it's been so long. Well, after that, I was just like, well, I'll just continue to use the crap top to edit. And I'll use this new laptop for everything else. Didn't happen. Once I went back to the old crap top, that's what I used for everything. And so this new laptop had just been sitting for months. And I thought, you know, this new one has a camera on it. I'm going to try to do a video episode of the Outcast. Well, actually not. Let me rephrase. I'm going to go down to my childhood home and I'm going to start it recording, and I'm gonna do an, an intro in video for that episode, that dread episode that I just didn't ever wanna put out. And now that I think about it, now I have a video to edit, right? In addition to an audio, I don't know. I, I really ought to just set it up, start it recording, and try one, and say, okay, I'm just gonna talk for five minutes, and then I'm gonna pay attention to how long it takes to edit Versus how long it takes with audio. Because um, it could be a ton more work, like it was for Celebrity Dungeons and Dragons. Or it could just be, well, you know, I'll snip here, I'll snip there. Maybe I don't need to snip. I don't know. With that one I did in my home, in my dad's house, I just started it and then just went to the end with no cuts or edits or. Now, just if I screwed something up I screwed it up anyhow this episode I was telling my cousin this story yesterday he's pretty much the only friend I've got left and because I have nobody else I forced him to go to lunch with me I don't know that I forced him but I was just like hey what day can you do lunch with me and he's like wow but today is really busy and I was like, oh, okay, well, so no no days at all, you can't think. He's like, all right, well, uh, yeah, how about Wednesday? Well, Wednesday, I've got a. Th- okay, yeah, I'll, I'll make it happen. Anyway, I was talking his ear off telling him this story, and, and I could tell that he doesn't care, and that's, that's fine. And he also needed to get back to work. It was just his lunch hour at work. But I was engaged in telling the story, even though I was telling him, like, the shortest possible version And today I thought, huh, well maybe I could blog about that. And I thought, F that, I'm just going to do a Rich Outcast about it. Because that way, the people who really might get something out of this story will hear it. And yeah, again, I'll get a couple of bucks. Does that make me a sellout? Let me ask Big Anklevich. So anyhow, it would have been neat to sit down, look at the camera, and do this episode but there's there's the other thing which is I am not comfortable with that I'm not comfortable with the camera I've said it before I I feel I'm pretty much an expert as far as audio goes I can do whatever I want okay maybe I can't harmonize with myself <laughs> but I've gotten you know to the point where I am confident in my abilities as a performer, as a narrator, as a podcaster, as a storyteller in that way. I'm a little bit less confident in my abilities with writing, uh, and I'm significantly less confident in myself on video, on film. I did some acting in school, especially in in film school, because I started out as a, a theater major rather than a film major. Then, once I made friends with some of these film guys, by working on their projects and discovering that they were my kind of people, whereas the theater people were not, um, you know, I had already acted in a lot of stuff. And then right before we graduated, Big Anklevich's boss discovered me, and, and Big says that he just... Oh, he thought I was hilarious. And so he would always want to put me in videos. And he's like, oh, gosh, it's such a shame that you're graduating. Because, you know, oh, the the places we'd go kind of thing. Big reminded me of that last time I talked to him. And, uh, yeah, in fact, I remember he had this paid acting gig for me the week of graduation. And it might have gone... On, like, the day after graduation, and then as soon as that was done, I packed up and moved to the west coast. And uh, there was an opportunity kind of like that in LA right at the very, very end when I had already told my landlady I was moving, I had already um, told my family I was moving, I told Big Anklevich I was, and then right about that time, I got this work opportunity, and I don't know if I even ever thought about it, about well, hey, I I can stay here now. The process of moving had already been set in motion, plus the opportunity to work with my friend who I hadn't seen in years. Well, no, I guess I had seen him that previous Christmas. Anyhow, yeah, this was similar to that. So when I was doing that acting, I could feel when I was phoning something in. I could feel when I wasn't completely feeling it, but I was just pretending that I was feeling it. I don't know if that makes sense. If you're an actor, you probably know what I'm talking about. That there are people who method act, you know what I mean? They they actually feel anger. They actually feel remorse when their character is supposed to. You know, they draw upon personal experience and and they make it happen. And then there are people that are just, you know, they just turn it on and they turn it off. And I felt like I was pretty limited at turning it on and turning it off. I mean, it's just so much harder to have to memorize the lines and then give a performance. Yeah, I just, I'm not comfortable entirely on camera I don't like to look at myself you know the same way that there are lots of people that hate to hear their own voice it's like oh that doesn't sound right I love to hear my own voice obviously but to see myself okay I know what they're talking about those people that hate their own voice except for a, oh my gosh I really hate it I, I find it difficult to imagine that there are people out there that loathe the sound of their own voice like I loathe the sound of my own face. Something that I may never get over, I don't know. And, and it's got to be tied to the same thing. We have this idea of how our voice sounds. Because we hear it through our own heads, through our own vocal cords, not just our ears. And then we hear it coming from a recording or we hear it on a telephone... And it doesn't sound right. It, it doesn't have those extra levels, layers that it does when we're speaking. And you go, what? I, yeah, do I really sound like that? That kind of thing. Well, that's how I am with the video. It's like, oh, do I really look like that? Holy shit, guys. It bums me out. I can't even imagine. As lonely and depressed as I am right now, boy, how would it be? to have to edit video of myself. I don't know, maybe I'd have to put on some kind of disguise for Rish Outfield with, you know, a Guy Fox mask or something like that. And then maybe it might not be so bad. But that's not gonna happen. I mean, unless that sounds appealing to you, is the Rish Outcast done through a Guy Fox mask. Why did I put my windows up? Oh, Cause there's lots of noise, I guess. I just, I realized I was recording with my windows up, but I'm going seven miles an hour. It's not like there's that much noise. Okay, so that brings us to this story that I'm gonna tell. Um, I'm still not sure this is the right venue. I thought about going for a walk. you remember last year when I went to the lake and I walked around recording? I did two episodes that way. Three, I guess, if you count. Stormy weather as two episodes. And uh, I kind of would like to do that again. In fact, I was thinking of going on a hike and podcasting while I was hiking because I'd not done that before. Except for, do you really want to hear me gasping for air in between each sentence? So I'm trying to figure out where I could go. It's not that hot which to me is not unbearable. Uh, I know to some people it is. Trying to think of places that are nearby and relatively quiet, relatively private. When I was riding into the furnace, it was really hard for me to focus. It was hard for me to say, okay, you know, I'm riding on this every single day and it's something that I've got to do. And so I made several trips to a park. And that wasn't a nearby park, but it was a remote park. I guess I don't mean remote. What's the word where not a lot of people frequent it? It's not really out of the way, it's just, I don't know, I fancy myself a writer, and I don't know what word I'm looking for. I used to go there, and I, I would just sit, and I would write. Usually I would set like a half hour. It might have been in those days... The battery on my laptop actually lasted a half an hour and that's how I knew okay I just type until the battery dies and then hope it saves but now the battery lasts between five and seven minutes so that wouldn't work by the time I sat down on the bench the laptop would have died oh plus it's not even reliable for the five to seven minutes sometimes you know I accidentally pull the plug out of the socket and I go, oh, how long has it been? Oh, it says I still have three minutes. All right. And so I reach for the plug, and it just dies. It's like, whoa, oh, you said three minutes! Twelve seconds ago! I just, I know myself really well. And I'm going to end up throwing it against the wall at some point. And that's bad, because it is so filled with things that are, if not irreplaceable, are irreparable. I, um... I'm on my way to that park. It'll be cool. So my sister had a baby just last week. She, uh, she's she been pregnant for a long time, like, I don't know, eight or nine months or something like that. And she had a kid, a little boy, another little boy. And um, I'm very close to her other two boys. And her oldest son, he's nine And he's really athletic. He's not like me at all. He loves sports. Particularly, he loves basketball. And that's fine, because I I like basketball. I remember uh, during the playoffs in 97, we were on our family vacation to Mexico. In fact, it was the last family vacation we ever took. Or maybe the family, after I was gone, took more vacations. But it was the last family vacation I took with them. And uh, the Bulls were playing and uh, we were watching it in the hotel room. And my dad would, he always wanted to know what the announcers were saying, and so I would translate from Spanish for him. And I'm fairly sure it was the only time I was ever useful to my father. Okay, I'm really close to that uh, park, guys. I don't know why I'm telling you this, because it makes no difference to you. But to me, it means I will be out and uh, Hopefully, can focus on talking instead of driving. I guess it was two years ago I wrote into the furnace. Amazingly, I mean, time flies, dude. But that would have been the last time I was here. And uh, I remember the there's a community theater. Not yeah, I guess community theater uh, amphitheater in this park. And it's got a wall and stuff, so you can't see what's going on there. But they were doing a play of Disney's Little Mermaid. Anyway, while I was working on Into the Furnace, I heard them rehearsing. And there were songs that I didn't know from the movie. I guess, you know, it's one of those like the Beauty and the Beast musical, I think it was probably the first one, where they expanded, where they included songs that hadn't been in the movie in Beauty and the Beast's case, stuff like Human Again and If I Can't Love Her, If She Can't Love Me. How did it go? I don't know. Those were original Mencken and Ashman songs that didn't make it into the film. Anyway, I just sat here trying to figure out where exactly it was that I sat. My guess is right here. And I could hear Ariel and Ursula. and. Prince Eric singing their songs and because I couldn't see them you know, it was just I imagined that they looked exactly like the animated versions. Um, No such luck right now. It looks like they're setting up over there at the theater but no rehearsing is going on. The story I was going to tell. My nephew is He's really into basketball, and he enjoys it. And he's actually quite good. And last year, they, there had been this basketball tournament, and he had participated in it. It was a three-on-three basketball tournament with, you know, all tons of other youths from the county, I guess. And they had all met and had this playoff. And my nephew's team had lost their very first game and been eliminated. And he talked about how that was and that they had worked so much harder and this year they weren't going to lose their first game. And his mom had the baby. My sister had the baby the day before on Friday. And Saturday was this tournament. And needless to say, she was not focused on my nephew's game. I guess she had talked about the possibility of his dad taking him. But then when she had the baby, all thought of that was just gone. And so I said, hey, I'll do it. I'll I'll take him to the basketball tournament. And she says, oh, you're not going to want to. And I said, well, why, why is that? And she says, well, he, it starts at eight in the morning. He has to be there at seven thirty and it goes all day. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I can still do that. No worries. And She's like, okay, well, last year it started at 8 o'clock in the morning, but by 9.30 his team had been eliminated, so maybe that'll happen again. It won't last all day. But if he wins, then you're going to kind of be stuck there. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So, you know, I set my alarm, and both of us got up, and as I was driving him over, he said, oh, I was supposed to be there at 7.00 so that we could practice with my team. And I said, you're telling me this now while we're driving over there at 7.30? And he's like, yeah. Anyhow, we got there, and I'm glad that he had waited until the car trip to tell me that because we were the first to arrive on his team, and his coach hadn't gotten there yet. And so I I really didn't know what to do. They charged me to get in, but they didn't charge him because he was a player. And we went, there was some paperwork they had t-shirts each team had a different t-shirt I mean they were all the same t-shirt but they were different colors so that you could tell who was who when people were playing and there were different age groups there and people would play against their own age group Uh, I think there were three different groups the 8 and 9 year olds the 10 and 11 year olds and the 12 and 34 year olds oddly enough Uh, You know, we got everything done, and then the coach showed up. And, yeah, I I had time while I was sitting on the bench. These benches were so uncomfortable. Holy cow. But that's neither here nor there. But I, I had time to look around at the other parents, and especially at the coaches. And the coaches were all, you could tell they were like aging athletes. Or they had been super athletic when they were young, and now they were dads. And so there were a couple of them that were still, you know, in super great shape, you know, with big old beefy arms and flat stomachs. But there were a couple where you could tell that, you know, their salad days were behind them. But what they had in common was, uh, with one exception, they were all super exuberant, super psyched to be their coach material. And I mentioned Big Anklevich. I mean, I mentioned him a lot, right? For eight years, he was my... Holy cow, nine years he was my podcasting partner. And for more than nine years, we got together every single week and hung out. But he used to always talk about that one day he wished he could be his son's coach. Now, big favored soccer. Soccer would be the sport that he would want to be the coach of. And that's fine. I have a couple of friends that don't like basketball for some reason. And I think it's probably because it's just too accessible If somebody like me can enjoy basketball, then it must not be a very good sport. Anyway, I was on the bench with these strangers. I didn't know any of them that were the parents. There were four kids on my nephew's team because there were two twins on the team and then the coach's son, who was really, really good as a basketball player. I mean, that tends to be the case, right? The coach's son is going to be the one who works the hardest or is the most into the sport or is pushed the hardest i, I don't know maybe it's like the uh, the preacher's daughter stereotype so there's only like three or four people in this whole park but two of them they just keep coming by where i'm sitting and one of them is on i don't know the, one of those tricycle type things where you don't have to pedal cuz pedaling god forbid would be exercise So I sat there next to these other parents, and yeah, they were all much more into it, much more familiar with what was going on than I was. They had been to other games or knew all the kids' names and stuff. Now, I have really tried to support my nephew's sports endeavors, both of my nephews. Their parents enrolled them in everything, you know, from baseball to karate, to soccer, to basketball, to football. And it was flag football. I've even gone to one of his football games just because I can, I guess. Or I don't know, maybe that's the thing you do. So you support your family in those kind of endeavors. Like, I wonder if my brother resented being dragged to see me in plays when I was a teenager, it didn't even occur to me that that might be bothersome. Because, you know, you're self-absorbed when you're a teenager. Um, I mean, I'm still self- self-absorbed. Anyhow, so there were all these teams. And basically, they would be matched up, uh, presumably at random. And the winner of the game would go on to the next game. And the loser would go home. Each game was 15 minutes or the first one to 12 points. And they did baskets with just... Each basket was worth one point. There was no three-point shots or, uh, you know, free throws didn't count for less or anything like that. It was just a very simplified half-court thing. And there were so many teams there that there were probably six or eight games going simultaneously at the rec center where this happened. And so my nephew wasn't up first when it started at eight. The team that played right in front of us was a group of boys and then a group of three boys and one girl. And and as far as I can remember, that was the only girl in any of the teams. She was like a Pacific Islander girl, so she was, and she was fairly tall, broad, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But she was quite good, and, you know, by virtue of being the only girl, I sort of rooted for her. Anyway, she played a team of, of only boys, and I watched it, and my nephew's team all sat together. And I'm trying to think of why. Just because they're friends? Or because the coach wanted them to so that they could study their opponents. Or maybe that's just good sportsmanship. And that's something that's going to come up two or three more times in this narrative. Yeah, you show respect to the other players, the other teams. It's just the thing you ought to do. Anyhow, this this girl's team was quite good, actually. And they won that very first game. And I was very glad. Just, this is... Difficult to explain. Because except for my nephew and those two twins who sometimes play with my nephew, they were all strangers. So I didn't really have an emotional attachment to any of them except for him. But then, yeah, there were two players that I developed an emotional attachment for. And one of them was this girl. And the other one we'll mention in a moment. Here comes the... uh... Tricycle thing. Let me just try not to hate. I was thinking about a story with an angry young man and a grandfather, and the grandfather says, You know, how does someone so young possess so much hate? And the angry young man says, How can you be so old and not be full of hate? And he's like, there it is, there's that noise. And he's like, look at you. I mean, you lived through the Trump administration. I mean, no wonder you have white hair. Okay, she's gone. Okay, so then it was time after that game ended for... Oh, and here was another thing. Okay, so I said that each of the games were 15 minutes or whichever team reached 12 points first. So I found that almost every game was well short of 15 minutes. So that was kind of enjoyable for how much basketball was going to happen that day. They obviously had planned this in advance so that, yeah, 15 minutes was the most a game would go, but rarely did they get that far. Anyway, the little girls' team won, and then it was my nephew's team up. And they played another team... And I was able to see immediately, in the first 30 seconds, that my nephew's team was better than the team they were playing. By a lot. And this other team, it's not that they were little kids. I mean, maybe they are little kids, because like I said, eight and nine years old, I think. Or maybe it was nine and ten, I don't know. But they had done it the year before, so my assumption is eight and nine. They just, they weren't very good And my nephew's team was better at making baskets. They weren't very good at guarding. But when they had the ball, they tended to make the baskets. And that's another thing that I noticed. As far as weaknesses go, they were not good at guarding, at taking the ball away from the opposite team, and then at rebounds. The other teams that they played, plural, would get off so many more shots, it seemed, than my nephew's team. But they just didn't make it. It would bounce off the backboard, or it would be an air ball, and they would be under there to get it, and then they would try again. Which is interesting. I, You know, I, as I've said, I'm not really a sports person, but I'm fairly observant and in watching this. I was like, oh, well, okay, I can see that. And I can see what the flaws and strengths of each of these teams are and because i didn't really know the names of the players and all that stuff i couldn't be as vocal as the people sitting around me where they'd be like yeah oh that's great tristam oh way to go matrix awesome mckenna you go as tor my nephew's team won the first game in fact let me look at my phone I sent my sister the scores as they happened. Okay, first score was 12 to 2, which was good and my nephew's team dominated and they ended the game when my nephew's team made 12 baskets. But that's that's good. Then we watched another team play while the boys rested. And in that time I thought it would be interesting to send Big a text. I was just telling him about the things that I was seeing. I, I wrote the following. All the dads are jacked and or enthusiastic. So I've already told you that. It makes me want to write a story about a geeky programmer who marries a woman who signs him up as her son's basketball coach. Sigh. Richard healed here of the future famous DJ for all sports all the time, radio. (laughs) The battery died and uh, the file ended and then the next file began with me saying, oh, you know, the battery went dead. I think it just barely went dead. Uh, So I'll just reiterate the last thing that I said and we'll go on from there. Unwise move younger Rish Outfield. Usually What I do when the batteries die is I will go to the file that I was recording and I will fast forward it to the end and listen so that I know where I was. And I was like, okay, I'll pick up right here. And I wish, I wish that I had done that. Because uh, we lost 20 minutes maybe of, of already a long episode. And we lost so much... We really lost the main reason that I was doing the whole episode. I had an ulterior motive besides just I wanted to tell you about my nephew's basketball prowess or lack thereof. Oh, okay, sorry. So, so this is me in the future finally getting around to editing that episode. And the sound was problematic. I mean, you know, you heard it. I'm trying. I'm any episode I do from this point on, I'm going to try to not hold the microphone because you hear it rattling and I'm going to try and use my lapel mic a lot more from now on. It just has a cleaner sound. So I was looking through my texts because I was texting my nephew's dad during the game. He was at the hospital with my sister And I was texting him the scores and how the boy was doing. And I was looking at my texts, trying to find that. And they're gone. Which is understandable, I guess. I mean, why would I keep them? Makes me want to write a story about a geeky programmer who marries a woman who signs him up as her son's basketball coach. Or maybe he's a children's book illustrator. Nice. He's super lost and the kids make fun of him. You know, all the other dads are B.D. Anklevich types who tell him he sucks and they could do a better job. He says, Really? Oh, thank God for you, sir. I'm really in over my head. But the dads are only there to complain, leaving poor Simon Pegg to muddle through. Oh, did I mention
1: Simon Pegg would play the dad? Right. Nobody wants the responsibility. Yeah, that's the thing with basketball. Everyone has played it so they all think they can also coach. Soccer is different because it's a foreign sport, so people are willing to let the coach be responsible. It's trouble because everyone's kid is probably the next Jordan, so you have to play him more and give him the ball more and etc. The only friend Peg makes is the sports
0: crazy dad who has only daughters and comes to the rec center for their gymnastics, soccer, and man-hating practice. But he sneaks away
1: and becomes assistant coach. It's a Bad News Bears type of show. This guy finally gets the team of Misfits kids to come together and win the tournament at the end. And they get to meet the Golden State Warriors. Peg
0: gains a few points by designing the team logo. But Big Anklevich says, oh, that only proves he's a fag. Peg says, oh, fag would
1: be great. Do you have one? (laughs) and their team name has to be something really lame like the ducks but then they say they're the mighty ducks let's see how about the rabbits uh the squirrels oh squirrels because this is english there was a rabbit army in ender's game the chihuahuas the mice koala bears Uh, tit mice (laughs) yellow tits like that one story from the show the LaGrange fighting cockroaches. You see Santa Barbara's the banana slugs. Gross.
0: In the end, the whole community rallies around the kids, and Peg's girlfriend sleeps with all the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> Perfect ending. Anyway, my, my nephew played a second game, and I don't have the score here in front of me. I, I think this might have been the game where they went the full 15 minutes and it was 9-2, to two, which still is really, really good. My nephew's team won a second time. And pretty definitively, they were the better team. And it was fun to watch these kids try and work together. And uh, as I said before... Oh, some things never change, do they, kids? And as I said before, the coach's kid was the best. But what are you going to do? The point is that they understand working as a team and that they have fun. But here's the thing. In between my nephew's games, I was forced to watch other teams play. And I watched this group of kids playing. You know, all strangers against other strangers. And I I noticed this boy, this little blonde kid. And I'm just going to come right out and call this kid the shit. Instead of the kid or the brat or the lousy basketball player. And what first drew my attention is I saw the kid throw his arms up in the air. The whole point of that is to draw attention to yourself. But I thought, oh, what, something happened that I missed over there. What was that? And, you know, Coach blew his whistle and somebody went to the, the line and they passed the ball and the game play continued. But a couple minutes later, <laughs> sorry, the opposite of an exaggeration. Less than a minute later, I saw the boy do it again. This time I had been paying attention. I don't know why, but the blonde kid had gotten the ball and he had started making his way toward the basket and then a kid had gotten in his way and he'd missed the basket and then he threw his arms up in the air as if to say, Hey, what the hell? I just got fouled. Did somebody see that? I didn't miss this basket on purpose. This guy made me miss the basket. I would have made this basket if it weren't for this guy. Is somebody look at Coach? Coach, what the fuck? And that's a paraphrase of what the shit intended by that gesture. And I thought, huh. And instantly, I disliked this kid. Oh, yeah, You know, I'm just going to come right out and say it instantly. Seeing this I thought, well, I didn't see him get fouled or grabbed or pushed or anything like that. That's, I think this kid is just a poor sport. And after that, I left my notebook on my lap instead of writing in it. Because this became interesting. And I watched the shit's behavior for the rest of the game. And he was not a crappy athlete. Sometimes he would catch the ball and he would pass the ball and he would shoot the ball and he would make a basket, but invariably, when he would miss the basket, he would oh air ball oh bounced right off off the rim, he threw his arms up in the air, coach, what the fuck, holy cow, I had never seen anything like this before i i I became incensed at watching this kid i mean basically he was saying i didn't miss that you made me somebody made me this isn't fair i i I texted big i texted him and said big holy smoke i i I, there's this kid that's playing and i can't stop looking i literally want to go over and punch this kid now enough time has passed that I don't remember other things that he did during that game. Their team won that game, and that also means that they had won the game previous. But now I was just riveted in the same way as oh, geez, there's a bad accident on the side of the freeway. I can't not look. Oh, oh gosh, why did I look? Oh, Holy cow, that is going to be with... That's going to haunt me. But I couldn't not look. That's how it was with this kid. Now, I originally, the first time I recorded this, talked about what I saw, called this kid by the name that I called him, uh, and then talked about my nephew's second game, and I went into as much detail as I felt was compelling. And, see, I'm not a sports guy, as you know. When I talk to Big... Today, I was telling him about this interchange that he and I had had all those months ago with the texts. I had come up with this idea for a movie with Simon Pegg, and I said, do you remember that? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, hey, do you still have those texts? Because if you do, then I can re-record that part. I can at least save that part. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I do. I can go look through them. And then I said, but you know, the thing that I really miss about that recording session, was complaining about this kid. There was a little boy. And Big says, oh, I remember. You wouldn't shut up about that. And I I guess I wouldn't. And here I am, months later, not shutting up about it. And oh, and what Big said was, the kid who flopped. And I said, flopped? Because flop means you have a movie or a play that comes out and it fails. It doesn't make its money back. But apparently in sports, flopping means when you make a big production that you have been injured or that you have been fouled. When you're not hurt, when maybe you weren't even fouled, to draw attention to yourself. And Big said that that originated in soccer, in football, where these guys would get tripped and they'd writhe on the ground and roll around in agony. It was a, a cry. Or sympathy from one of the referees to say, hey, this guy c- clearly got fouled. Let me get a colored card and give it to the player that uh, harmed this fine player. And I, I, I don't really know soccer. But I do know basketball. And I had seen these guys do this thing where somebody slaps the ball out of their hand or somebody bumps into them or somebody, you know, jostles them. And they fly back onto the court. Thump! Oh my goodness, he's like a turtle on his back. Oh, somebody must have cold cocked this guy. Holy cow! I cannot believe. Was did LeBron James just pull a karate move out on the court? I'd seen that, and it's it's ugly, and it's irritating, it's childish, and it's unsportsmanlike. And Big said that that's called flopping. Um, I'm going to return you to the regularly scheduled program recorded in the park all those months ago but I, I, I had to say something because, uh, yeah, I had two options, I'm sorry I, was, I, I had the, the first option was do I just throw this episode away because this vital section of the narrative is gone, it's missing and I can't just say, well, needless to say my nephew won the next game and hey there was a troublesome boy he was so troublesome that I came up with a lowbrow, even vulgar moniker for him so yeah those those were my two options is to, to re-record, which I have obviously, because you're listening to it or to scrap the whole thing and look, I'm not going to scrap the whole thing because I've already edited it up to this point and that's taken a good long time plus there are is the rest of the recording, which is still intact. So I'm going to send you back there. Maybe that was the wrong decision. Big had the idea of... Okay, I had the idea, but I was trying to give Big the credit of us getting together on Skype and recording those texts back and forth so that you'd have Big's in his own voice and you'd have mine in my... Well, obviously mine would be in my voice... Because he's never, he says he's never participated in a Rish Upcast before. And I thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. It's a good idea, and maybe it would have been more entertaining for you guys. But I, this is my show, and I want to be self-reliant. Put out the show when I want. Put out the show how I want. Put out the show. So, sorry? We now return you to the Rishk Outcast on KSPT All Sports All the Time. The battery died, and I'm not sure how long ago it was. So I'm just going to reiterate the last thing that I said and hope that the battery didn't die months before. So the third game, he was playing against the team with the little girl. And like I said, it was much closer. The thing with the girls' team is that they had they had more of a sense of teamwork Of passing the ball of relying on each other like a kid would say I'm open and the person with the ball would just pivot and pass the ball to where the kid said I'm open whereas you know on my nephew's team somebody could say I'm open and the person with the ball would be like huh I'll look and see if he really is open let me look and see where the other player is then again, maybe I could make a shot right now, maybe I... You know, there, there was just a much more natural camaraderie, I think, with the girls' team. I watched, and they were good in that respect, but they just couldn't make a basket. It would be one of those where they'd shoot and they'd miss, and they'd shoot and they'd miss, and it would go completely over the basket, and maybe they would be able to get that rebound as well. And then they'd shoot again and either make it or miss again. And it was just like, wow, they, they are exactly where they're supposed to be. The ball just doesn't go where it's supposed to go. And, you know, that's not completely true because they, they still made five baskets, you know, eight to five. And it went the full 15 minutes. So, yeah, it was a much closer game than the others had been. But still, my nephew's team won. And like I said, I think it was just by virtue of their percentage of shots to points was much greater than the other teams. So when that game had ended, then, you know, we're getting closer to it, right? You know, I don't know how these things are designated. Let's say that, you know, it was now the semi-final round. And... I was getting hungry and thirsty, and I kept asking the boy, "Hey, do you want me to run out and you know, there's a grocery store? I can go get us something to eat. There's a McDonald's. I can get us, you know, something there. You know, if you just want a drink." And he'd be like, "No, no. You know, he was feeding on adrenaline. He was doing fine. My mom had packed him some kind of bag with, like, an apple in it and some energy bars or something like that, and and he had forgotten to bring it." But he didn't seem to care. You know, he was just too into it. And, and you know, I can understand that, especially having lost the very first game the year before. To come and to be winning and to get that side of the coin, yeah, that's got to be exhilarating, right? So after that third game, you know, I texted with Big a lot more. You know, I had brought my notebook thinking that I could work on writing, but I can't even remember what I got in there a paragraph two paragraphs i don't know a a half a page at the most even for all the time that i was there which is fine so big had talked about this this movie that we were going to write about simon peg marrying this this woman and she's got a a a boy who plays basketball and simon peg is the coach big said Here's your team.
1: There's the kid with the glasses. There's the kid with the glasses who's scared of the ball. The hugely tall kid with no skills whatsoever. The ball hog who dribbles like he's with the Harlem Globetrotters, but never ever passes and always eventually gets the ball stolen from him when the other team realizes they can just gang up on him with all five of their players. The fat kid and the assistant coach's daughter who wants to be able to play with the boys because gender is a social construct. So does Simon Pegg become like really dedicated to the team?
0: So much so that his wife or girlfriend or whatever resents him for it? Or is that too realistic? Anyway, to be continued. The fourth game started. Now there were just two games going concurrently. And they had said the winners of each of these two games will go on to the finals, the championship, the tournament, whatever you want to call it, the the, the last game. And so there was a lot more writing on this. Maybe there wasn't, honestly, because basically if you lost, you were out anyway. And so it was my nephew's team versus the shit's team. And I was just like, "Uh uh-oh, because... If I hated that kid that threw up his arms and said, Coach, what the fuck? When he was playing Strangers, how would I feel when he was playing somebody I cared about? The game started, and yeah, immediately it was obvious. Not just to me, but to everybody around. And and by this point, okay, it's not to say that I became friends with any of them. I'm not a friendly person. But... I started to learn the boys' names, and, oh, okay, so you're the twins' parents, and, oh, okay, so the kid with all the ability, that's, you're his mom, all right. You're actually quite attractive. Huh. And uh, all of them were talking about this kid, about the shit. They played this game, and I I wish that I could express in a way so that you would hate this kid the way that I hate him. But I know what you're saying. You're saying, hey, this kid is nine years old. Nobody should ever hate a nine-year-old. You know, I'll just remind you that most serial killers were nine years old at one point or another. The kid was a hypocrite because he would bump into people. He would run into people. You know, there was some reach around and there was some slapping going on. But if anybody ran into him or slopped the ball away from him the histrionics would begin so after a few plays the coach must have taken him aside and i I, this is speculation on my part but my guess is he's the coach said okay team you've all seen this blonde kid rich outfield calls him the shit if the shit comes at you do not give ground He's all talk. He's all bluster and no muscle. Just stand your ground. Do not be intimidated by this kid. Believe me, all the adults and the refs will side with you. The reason I say that is because almost immediately after this timeout, the shit got the ball, and he was going in, running toward my nephew. My nine-year-old nephew, who was expected to cower away from this asshole but he didn't. It was so weird. My nephew just stopped like it was a game of freeze tag and somebody had said red light he just stopped and this little shit ran into my nephew just wham, and then fell back onto the linoleum or tile or wood or whatever the the floor was made of writhing Like somebody had stuck a pin into a voodoo doll shaped like the shit. I was a little bit shocked that this had happened. But the other player families, the player parents, who were much more familiar with what was going on, had made the connection beforehand that the coach had told the team to do this. And my nephew had stonewalled this asshole, and he had run right into him. So the foul was not placed on the nephew, and when the shit heard this, he got, he got up from his pretending to be hurt, and he actually, I, I kid you not, he actually threw a fit and stomped off the court and out the door, just right, right in the middle of the game. He stomped out and he left. And their team only had three players whereas my nephew's team had four because of the twins. Most of the teams only had three because it was a three-on-three tournament. And so gameplay just stopped. It came to a halt because the other team only had two players now. And so I looked over, and I imagine everybody else did, but since I'm the narrator, I'm all that matters. I looked over and I saw the coach of the shit's team. He was an older person, His back stooped, not just salt and pepper hair, but a lot more salt than pepper. Basically white hair. He'd been sitting, whereas most of the other coaches had been standing. He got up and trudged across the court and out the door. And it spoke volumes. This guy's posture, his body language said as much as I can say In three minutes of a podcast. And what it said was. Oh Christ. This again. This kid. This is not the first time I've had to do this. Believe you me guys. In fact this is the fourth time. Today. That he has thrown some kind of fit. And I've had to go talk to him. No championship is worth this. And maybe the shit was his grandson. In which case you know. He's sort of forced to do this, but yeah, yeah. I also wonder if uh, this poor old coach was the same age as the other coaches, but just having the shit on his team and having to deal with him every single day had made him prematurely old. Yeah, we find out this guy is 28 years old, gets a senior citizen discount wherever he goes. The uh, coach was gone for a few minutes, a couple minutes, I don't know. In the meantime, my nephew's team just practiced. They were, you know, passing the ball, doing layups. Then the kid came back in and uh, play resumed. And, you know, you've heard... I, I remember Charles Barkley saying, I'm not a role model. I am a professional athlete. I'm not a role model. And how much guff he got for that. Is guff the word I'm looking for? How much criticism he got for that? Because these professional athletes are huge role models. They are. There's so many young kids that look up to them, that want to be them, that aspire to be doing exactly what they're doing. And So you'll see, not, not that I think Charles Barkley is a terrible person, but you, there were basketball players who were notorious for their poor behavior, or their, their tempers, or their inability to play as a team so you know that kind of stuff could go on to you know professional league play but I don't uh, I don't see how that helps a team in any way part of what makes a championship basketball team is that there's not just a guy and then a bunch of nobodies the stars have a support system they have a close-knit group of teammates that make it possible for them to do these amazing backboard-shattering dunks and that kind of stuff. I don't know. Sorry, I'm, I've am i been talking for a long time, but yeah, more bang for your buck, kids. The kid came back in, and they resumed play, and if, if my memory serves, my nephew actually got to shoot a foul. Is that possible? If somebody slams into you like that, that even though he didn't have the ball, I I don't know. I mean, this kid was such a shit. Maybe it was later, but yeah, my nephew is so good at free throws. And so, yeah, I was just like, oh, hey, there you go. This game was less close, I think, than the game with the girl. But the fourth game Was in favor of my nephew's team. So they won this fourth game. And the second, they made the 12th basket or, you know, the game-winning basket. The shit, he pitched a fit and he stomped off the court again. I, I, I know I said this before, but we all know people like this, that are adults, that are like this. That the world is out to get them They have a huge chip on their shoulder. Anything that goes wrong is a conspiracy. It's never their fault. This kid stomped off, and the coach said something to the other teammates, and they ran off and grabbed him and brought him back. And as, I guess, is tradition for every one of these games, what the teams had to do was whether win or lose, you shook hands with the opposing players because that's part of learning to grow up, to be an adult, to be a good sport. I, I, it's, it's imperative for any athletic competition. Even boxing. You know, this brutal sport where th- there is... Yeah, there's a chance that your opponent could kill you if you don't kill him first. They make them touch gloves. I've seen boxing matches where they hug at the end when it's a split decision or that kind of thing, a TKO. So even in boxing, it's necessary that there's a level of sportsmanship and the shit would not shake hands with my nephew's team. He wouldn't do it. I'm just one person, guys, but I guarantee you that this kid's behavior was not only noticed by me. I mean, I guess I already inferred that the other parents of my nephew's teammates noticed it, too. But everybody had to notice. I mean, because it wasn't subtle. It was bombastic. What what a misanthropic little brat we were dealing with here. So anyhow, I think play stopped for a half hour or something like that. There was a local basketball hero... That showed up and he signed autographs and he took some pictures. Then the final game, the, the championship game, let's call it, started. And it was my nephew's team against another team, both of which had no losses that day. They'd won all their games. And it was the same thing, you know, first team to 12 points, except for, yeah, these guys were playing in a court that was bigger than where they had been playing before. And a lot more people were watching this specific game. And at that moment, as that game was just about to start or was just starting, my brother-in-law showed up. He'd come from the hospital. And maybe I didn't mention that. You know, my brother-in-law had spent the night in the hospital with her. And he was going to be unable, because of the baby, to come. But I guess at some point she let him go and he came over. And as soon as that happened, I ceased to matter. I wish it weren't all about me. I wrote, Oh, there was a kid playing who was so unsportsmanlike that I longed to kick his ass. Honestly, he was such a prick that if I wrote the bad news tit my story, I'd put him in it. Of course, I'd also have to write a scene where the stepson's real dad shows up for the championship game, and the kid fawns all over him in a way he doesn't with Simon Pegg. Cue the
1: Sad Hulk music. Nice. I think I'm rubbing off on you. It's all sad endings for you today. It wasn't you. That was today, when his
0: dad showed up for the last game. The star player on his team?
1: It's called Matrix. Holy crap, that's effed up.
0: You know, I, I, I considered shouting, Good catch, Avatar! Nice hustle, Inception! Go after it, Scorpion King! but i didn't dare so that game started and my brother-in-law had a relationship with all the other parents he knew all their names and they their kids names and and all that and yeah and he was much more like the uh, the parents and the coaches that i saw when i first got there you know super enthusiastic cheering and yelling during the game whereas i was a little bit more timid in that regard i just couldn't I mean, I didn't know the kids' names, and if I did, I would have gotten them wrong. And There were times when I'd be like, watch your guy! And I don't know if that's something you're really supposed to say. I don't know sports. Maybe I'm being too hard on myself. I hope so. But this game was so much closer, so much tighter than the other four games had been. My nephew ended up being on the bench. I felt... A lot more than the other three players and that caused me to pay attention to how do these players get rotated out and how does the coach determine when it's time to take somebody out and put the other person who's just standing waiting on the sidelines in and i felt like he was trying to give everybody a chance to play so even his own son who was far and away the best player on the team would have to be on the sidelines for a couple of minutes each game. But I felt like of the four kids, my nephew was the least good, which sucks to say because, you know, he's the only one on the team that I love. And he's a good basketball player. He he just didn't seem to have the ability, the energy. I don't know what it was that the other three players had. And I don't know. Maybe I just studied what my nephew did a lot closer But they played this championship game, and the team they were playing had all of the best qualities in the teams that I had seen, and none of the weaknesses. They hustled, and they passed the ball, and they were under the basket for any rebound, and they were aggressive. And when my nephew's team had the ball, they would get in there and take it away from them. And, you know, when they shot, more times than not, they would make the basket. I'm still not going to say it was like 80% or anything like that. It was like 54%, 55%. But they were better. And this game was pretty riveting because the other team would score and then it was up to my nephew's team. And maybe they'd score, maybe they wouldn't. But you know that when the opposing team got the ball again you know they they were gonna shoot you know you really had to try and get it away from them try and block it try and get in their way because yeah they were determined they were a good team and so yeah it went like five to four six to four six to five six to six seven to six seven to seven kind of thing it was that close through the whole game and I always felt like the the other the opposing team had a slight advantage. Just they were just a little better, but the time ran out. The 15 minutes ran out, and the score was eight to eight. So it was tied. And I was like, huh? What? I don't know what that means. But that, that's great. You know, they tied, and they said, okay, so we're going to go into sudden death overtime, which was same thing as before, except for first team to three points wins. And I don't know if my nephew's team was tired or what, but I didn't feel like they played as well in this sudden death overtime as they had played in the tournament game, and they lost three to one. And there was a kid on my nephew's team that started crying, but nobody pitched a fit, nobody stomped off, nobody was unsportsmanlike. Once again, they lined up, they shook hands with the other uh, the opposing team. There were trophies for the champions, and then there were also trophies for my nephew's team, for the runners-up for second place. Nobody else got trophies. I mean, unless it's like ribbons or whatever, participation medals, I don't know. But everybody got pictures, and I was part of a team and all that, and I was proud of him. I mean, I might as well not have existed at that point. He only had eyes for his teammates, and then, oh, his dad showed up, yay, hero, and, you know, ran off for his dad to hug him and congratulate him that he had gotten that far. Another thing that I found really interesting is that I didn't see evidence of pressure in these kids, like, you know, that it stopped being fun, that it stopped being a game. But that championship game, and especially the sudden death overtime, was really tense. I was watching it and <laughs> my nerves were all tight. And I don't know, like you were watching something with real life or death consequences. And I noticed the other parents around you just (gasps) kind of thing, you know, gasping and no more talking on your cell phone or not that they would. I was the only person that brought a notebook to write in, but I'm always the only person that brought a notebook to write in. There was some real tension on the parents part. And then whatever I am, I mean, I was surrogate parent there for half the day. But my nephew's team lost, and it was okay because the tournament was over. You know, the team that won was done too. And uh, I took a picture of him with his trophy and sent it to his mom, who's, you know, at the hospital. And then, yeah, my nephew wanted to go home with his dad instead of me. But uh, I don't know. It was That was a unique experience for me, the surrogate dad thing. I felt like it was unique enough that it might be interesting as an episode. Now that we've reached the end, I wonder if I was right or not. But there's certainly way more content in this episode than there would have been if I'd tried to do it as a blog post, which is what I thought about doing yesterday. I was just like, oh, I could write this up. But, yeah. Here we go. That's the end of another Rish Outcast. I'll put something here, some kind of little bonus, after the license just to reward you for sticking around I do appreciate you sticking around if you enjoy the Rish Outcast thank you I enjoy bringing it to you especially now that you know I don't have that many fun things that I get to do my friends or yeah, just a, we've reached a new chapter in my life where everything is so different but it's okay you know you never know things may change for the better they don't always have to change for the worse Again, thank you. If you're a Patreon supporter of me, I appreciate the heck out of you. And if you're not a Patreon supporter of me and you'd like to be one, come on over. You get at least one dedicated address from me a month. And I try to give extras and things that only the patrons get. Uh, regardless, though, thanks. Thanks for listening. I have been, I think I still am, Rish Outfield. And uh, be sportsmanlike, would you? you. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for the music so inexpertly used in this episode. The Rish Outcast is presented under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives License. That license enables you to share the file with anyone, but not to charge for it or alter it. A license to kill, by the way, enables me to kill anyone I please Whenever I please, you judge which is better. And with the Colts right, right, di- right to cut D'Angelo after the colostomy bag incident. And with the Colts right to cut the and with the Colts right to cut D'Angelo after the colostomy bag incident. Invariably. In fact, I'm going to roll my R, sir. Invariably. No, I'm going to cut that out. That's gross. In fact, let me look at my phone. I sent my sister the scores as they happened. Oh, I've deleted it. Oh, maybe it was my mom I sent the score to. Yeah, I, I had time while I was sitting on the bench. These benches were so uncomfortable. But that doesn't. That's neither here nor there. Uh, that was for you, big. It was neither here nor there. The boys' team won four games, then tied in the championship. They had a sudden death over time. Then they lost. I think that's it. Hey, Big, you've never been on the Rish Outcast before. How does it
1: feel? It's it's kind of disgusting. I feel dirty.
0: Yeah, I rarely do laundry. I like it. Oh, oh well, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I knew I kept you around for a reason. You know, I had a little bit of fear that I was too harsh on this kid. Do you know what I called the kid? What? I called him the shit. <laughs> and so, yeah, for a minute there, I was a little worried because it's like, I'm talking about a nine-year-old kid. Somebody out there is going to be like, this is a human being you're referring to. But I, I figured if anybody would understand, you would understand. I mean, you have seen unsportsmanlike behavior
1: before, right? Oh yeah, I totally have. I played sports all growing up, so I definitely, I experienced, okay, let me tell you this story. This is one that weirdly, I was just thinking of just the other day. I don't know why it would come to mind. And then strangely, now you're asking, that's odd. Okay, anyways, when I was a kid and I was playing soccer, right? There was a game that we played where the team that was basically like the we'll call them the shit they were <laughs> they were the shit of the league in, in a different way than what you were saying. you know they were the, they were the team that was the team to beat. They'd won all their games and they were they were doing really well. We were pretty good, but we weren't like the you know the unstoppable force or anything like that. And so when we went to play them, we knew we were going to have to play really hard because we wanted to beat these guys because they were beating everybody. And, and so we started the game out. And you know how soccer is slow and there's not a lot of goals generally. So we were probably maybe 15 minutes in. It's still 0-0. Zero to zero. And I was a forward and I got lucky and I got a breakaway where, you know, I was standing there at half line and somebody kicked it really f- hard. And it flew over our heads and just started rolling into their side of the field. And they didn't have any, you know, I was standing there next to the fullbacks. And so it was just open field towards the goal. And so I took off running after it. You know, the fullbacks were right right there running with me. And they had this guy that was their big stud of their team. And he was right there next to me. He was right behind me. So I knew... It was going to be hard to get a goal out of this without him you know running me down and getting the ball away from me so i was running and running and i thought okay there's no way i'm going to make a shot from here so i stopped and i put my foot on the ball so it didn't roll away past me and this guy who was running at full speed didn't know i was going to stop so he ran right past me and then with his really goofy awkward kick i kicked the ball and it went into the goal in the corner and The coach, so we scored, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, we go running back. The coach on this soccer team starts freaking out, and he's yelling at the ref, saying, no, that wasn't a goal. That guy was offside, and he's having a fit, saying that I was offside and that it shouldn't have been a goal, should be called back, throwing a total tantrum, and the ref just like, no, sorry, man, that wasn't offside. He was was onside, and that was a goal, and play on, and the guy just kept freaking out wouldn't stop yelling wouldn't just let it go so i'd never seen this before or since he decides that he's had enough and he calls all the boys on his team over and he says you know come over here guys and they all come over and then they're like we're leaving and so so they just packed up their stuff and left there was 75 minutes left in this game and they all just quit they walked off the field in protest and went home. And this is like a 12-year-old rec league. It wasn't like even a competitive league. It's not like they had tryouts to get on the team or anything. Just anybody who freaking signed up got on a team and we were playing in that kind of a league. It wasn't high school. It wasn't college. It was just freaking little kid sports. And this douche of a coach shows them this example. If you don't like a call, just pack up your things and go home. I could not believe it. We were all just like, holy crap. They just left. And so, yeah, and the worst part about it is, you know... The wor- worst part about it is that 20 years later,
0: his son was playing my nephew in basketball. No. <laughs> no, What?
1: what's the... I. The worst part about it was you would assume if they walk off the field like that and quit in the middle of the game That's they forfeit. forfeit right yeah you win yeah the, you beat we, the team I mean, nobody could beat if nothing else we had a goal so we you know we were up 1 to 0 so we should win either way but no instead they made us come back and replay this team at a different occasion. i think we had to play them on a sunday like normally all the games were on saturday And I had to go like a Sunday morning to replay the game that we played. And it wound up being a 0-0 to tie, if I remember right. So in the end, we got screwed. We didn't even beat them. We wound up tying them because we were forced to play the freaking crap sports again. Is there something worse than just saying poor sport? Poor sport is not a harsh enough word to go with what those douchebags were. (laughs) <laughs> the sad thing is this is what I was thinking of just the other day. I don't I don't know why this came back to mind, but I was thinking about it and remembering having to go and play them again and I was just thinking, man, if only I knew what I knew now. I don't know if I if I had my experience that I have now. If I had, oh my gosh, I would not have let these douchebags live down their tantrum. I should have been jawing in their ear the entire game. Oh, here comes the quitters. Come, yeah, let's play, crybabies. Oh, better watch out. If I score, you might just quit again and leave. Walk off the field. You might go cry to your mommy. You know? Oh, they should have been just so ashamed of themselves by the end of that second game for having done that in the first game. And no, sadly, all I did was just play and try and beat them. My worry is that you
0: would be accused of being unsportsmanlike if you did stuff <laughs> like that. Because that's the
1: thing with bullies and assholes, is that they can dish it out, but... Oh. Yeah, they never can take it. And that's probably true, but it would have been fun. It would have been worthwhile. There should have been some fisticuffs in that game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but see, I just don't get how... This coach can justify that. There's got to be some kind of board or somebody who met to decide that they needed to come back on a Sunday and replay the game. And it's just like, what kind of crap do you say to these guys? Besides, you know, I'm a pillar of the community because I own the mattress store and you need me more than (laughs) I need you, which is probably exactly how it went down. But I just, you know, if you're the secretary of juvenile sports or something like that, and you hear these guys walked off the field because the coach didn't agree with the call that the referee made. I mean, just in what universe do they say, Oh, oh yeah, that's totally fine. We'll we'll reschedule a whole nother game. In fact, we'll censor
1: that referee that made the bad call. I think you're probably uh attributing a much greater degree of organization to this youth rec league than actually existed. What probably happened is the two coaches called each other up and one of them said, hey man, I'm sorry, can we replay that game? And the other one said, oh, I guess. Something like that, I don't know. I doubt that (laughs) the board got together and met about this or the secretary of state was called in. From his uh, trip to Botswana, he had to hurry back. They mobilized the National Guard over this. (laughs) They had the National Guard there keeping the two different factions of fans from going at each other's throats. They had to put up a big fence between them. Yeah, you're definitely uh, adding more uh, organization to it than I'm sure there was. All those kind of things are done on a shoestring, and they don't put a lot into it. It's not like the other time where uh, we had a forfeit in sports that I played. I played at a school that was in the suburbs, and uh, one of the schools that we played against on an annual basis was in the inner city. And within like the last few weeks leading up to the time that we were supposed to play this team, There had been several, like, drive-by shootings and uh, similar occurrences, gang-related activity going on, taking place basically around the football games that that would happen at that school because they had uh, their stadium and they would happen Friday night. And all the, I don't know, gangs would do their thing or whatever. And so all the parents and the PTA got together And they decided that they weren't going to let us go to this high school and play because they were afraid of the danger involved with going to this school to play football on a Friday night in the inner city. And so we weren't allowed to go and play. And the frustrating thing was they were the number one team in the area. The newspaper would rank teams, you know, and just like they do with college football. And this team was undefeated and ranked number one. And I'm sure they would have wiped the floor with us because they were definitely way better than us. But we wanted our chance to go (laughs) and try to prove that we could beat them. But the stinking PTA wouldn't let us go. And we made the news and all this kind of stuff because of this game not being played. And there were people interviewing. I actually saw one of my friends on the news. He was interviewed by the reporter saying, oh, I want to play. And yeah, we wound up not playing. We had to forfeit. (laughs) they didn't reschedule the game on another day because, yeah, once you get to the high school level, I guess they probably do have a board that meets and therefore you can't get by with crap like that so yeah we got to forfeit one of our games my senior year that sucked but yeah bad sportsmanship is not cool you heard it here first folks (laughs) from the mouths of babes to god's ear
0: on rish outcast all sports all the time (laughs) banana slugs
1: gosh i wish you were making that up it's real it's freaking real And the TCU football team is the Horned Frogs. Not as bad as the Banana Slugs, but still.
0: Yeah, I remember the uh, Albuquerque serial rapists almost
1: going all the way one year. (laughs) There's a team, I want to say it's Idaho or Northern Idaho or something like that. Their mascot is the Vandals. Which... It's funny. I'm sure you know they're going for like you know the Trojans and the Spartans, and uh, you know these guys. They're like, well, we could be the Visigoths or we can be the Vandals, and for some reason they went with the Vandals. And now it's just like, what, you're the Vandals, really? <laughs> so what are you guys on when you're not playing football? You just go around and like smash people's mailboxes or what? Well, their the mascot. Is just a big can of spray paint. Yeah, yeah, it's just a giant spray paint that jumps around, and it has that silly string stuff inside at the top so it can squirt out at people. It's Tyler the Tagger is the name of their <laughs> uh,
0: their mascot. <laughs> ah. Well, thank you for making this guest appearance on the show. I I should have, like, announced you or something. That's all right. This episode
1: was so disorganized, you'd think it was running 12-year-old Pee-wee soccer. I'm sure that people expected it when they found out you were talking sports. First and last, kids. (laughs) All right, man. We'll have fun on the rest of your episode. I'll see you later.
0: Okay, take care. Ugh. Now that he's gone, I can finally release this fart.